folks. Welcome to True Crime or Tall Tale, where each episode I, Jack, or my co-host, Kat, tell you two stories. One is a true crime, the other not so much. And in the end, we will challenge you, our clever listeners, to determine which is which. How you doing? I have a cold. <laughs> so, editing Jack is gonna do her best to eliminate my, the evidence of my coughs and sneezings and goings-ons. Hard to believe we edit this considering how much banter I leave in, but yes, I do my best. Yeah. But yeah, I have a cold. I'm so sorry. That's okay, it's fine. I did it to myself. <laughs> Somehow, my body decided to give out on me. It's okay. I'm alive. It's getting better, but it's just lingering, you know? It's stuck in my nose. Uh, we hate that. As it were, so not much is going on in my life other than having a cold and being obsessed with Baldur's Gate. Oh, 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 your pixels. My pixels, yep. I gotta, gotta woo my pixelated husband in that game. This isn't a D&D podcast or anything, but I'm a big fucking nerd, so playing a video game that's just D&D bottled up and put into a video game and... Ugh. Just like D&D, a real Dungeons and Dragons campaign, everyone wants to woo each other. And so I'm trying to woo my vampire boyfriend, obviously. So it's working out so well. And we'll leave it at that. I'm, I'm so glad. <laughs> my fake boyfriend loves me so much. Congratulations on your pixels. Thank you. Thank you so much. I've worked so hard by being so, like, morally gray in this game. So and <laughs> he will love me. Wait, you're telling me you changed for a man? <laughs> Only a set of pixels, Jacqueline. <laughs> my like my like desire in games is to play a good guy, which is so funny. Um, I'm like I just feel guilty, like harassing fake people. But <laughs> my fictional boyfriend is a morally gray character, so guess I gotta match him. Oh no, twist my arm, force me to do something different than be a goody two shoes. Okay, sure. Oh my god, how grace of you! Oh my god, I hate that you said that. I, knew I hate that so much. I resent you. This podcast is over. Wait, but am I wrong? <laughs> no. <laughs> You're so wrong. Look, my voice even cracked. That proves nothing. <laughs> it's because I'm sick. You're going to bully a sick person? You have bullied me sick, <laughs> drunk, hungover, heartbroken. Yes. <laughs> I'm fine. How are you doing? <laughs> Let's talk about you. Well, as of um, this recording, the Eagles just won their first game against the Pats. You know, if I cared about that sport, I'd be a little bit more hurt, but... Oh, yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm happy about that. Our, our rivaling teams as best friends just did a tete-a-tete, a -tete, if you will. No, I'm excited for the upcoming season, even though I don't actually watch the games. I just Google it, and I look at the score... And then sometimes my mom will text me updates. Or in this case, your mom texted me updates. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yep. My mom did. <laughs> Next month, Bruins start up again. That's the one sport I gave you. That's the one sport I care about. But no, I'm doing all right. Excited to finally be recording this. Excited to finally finish the notes because I started these notes so long ago and then just never like really followed through. <laughs> Happens to me all the time. Like, I've been procrastinating so bad. Like, literally today, I was like, all right, I need to read over the notes and make sure there's no errors. And then I also said, oh, wait, I wanted to make cantaloupe ice cubes. I have to cut up the cantaloupes. They have enough hours to freeze. Oh, my God. And I literally, my path diverged. <laughs> amazing. Amazing. I wouldn't have it any other way. So, before we get into anything, I have a correction. A correction? From the arson episode. 
Right. So my sister, Nissa, so graciously pointed out to me that I, um, I misreported our arsonist's true name. I said that his last name was Smirk. It really is Smink. And I think what happened is either, um, I hit an R instead of an N or autocorrected and I didn't double check that. So, um, as a correction, our real life arsonist from the arson episode is Stephen Henry Smink, not Smirk. Smink. I mean, it's not the same. So, just in case anyone else from my hometown remembered that case and thought I was wrong, I was. <laughs> you were, but so, it's okay. Your heart was there. All right. Well, with the correction out of the way, this episode's topic is dog nappings. Oh my gosh. Um, so, <laughs> fair warning if you care a whole lot about dogs, their main subject today. They, they're just getting dog napped. Nothing nothing worse is happening. Oh yeah, they're, 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 the disclaimer, every dog is returned. Okay, cool. Your tall tale isn't 101 Dalmatians. <laughs> <laughs> no. I, I feel like I would catch the scent of that really fast. That would be so <laughs> not lame. Be like, and they managed to steal over 100 Dalmatians. They stole 99 puppies. <laughs> Wow! No, no, I did not go for that. I didn't even consider that. In my oh, research. okay. Cool. So, a little background on dog nappings. How, how frequent are they? Um, well, we can jump right into that. Currently, like this year in the U.S., they are estimating that 2 million dogs are stolen each year. No, is that, like, are we talking, like, grand scheme, like, dog napping, or is it, like... You didn't get the dog in the divorce, so you're, like, kidnapping the dog like a... I don't know. I'm sure all of those are included in the statistics. I'm sure it's any police report where they said my dog was stolen. Okay. So whether that is familial or stranger or ransom motivated or what have you. Okay. Usually the motivations for dog nappings are to demand ransom or if it's, like, a very expensive breed of dog, it's to resell them and make a profit. Back in the day, it may also have been to sell dogs into unfortunate trades. What do you mean? Like, like the meat trade? <gasps> no! Or the fur trade? <gasps> no! Oh my god. Um, we're not touching on those today, okay, but an unfortunate... It's an unfortunate reality of, yes. <laughs> of why dog nappings occur. Yes, but I would say most often they are um, either to demand ransom or to resell to a unwitting other owner. Mm -hmm. The earliest one I found was in 1660, King Charles II's Black Spaniel Greyhound mix disappeared very shortly after his coronation. Oh, that's interesting. Some believed it was um, by people who were unhappy with him as king. Well, yeah, people were unhappy with him as king. <laughs> the 18th century, particularly in England... There were many ads for missing dogs. They were commonplace, usually offering a reward for a safe return. Okay. Missing canines featured in these lost dog adverts ranged from English painter William Hogarth's pug, named Pug with two Gs. His dog got kidnapped? Oh my god. Got I dog. know Hogarth. <laughs> I know I'm dog. so glad you His did pug. because I came across a statistic and I said, I have to Google that name. I don't know who he is. Yeah, no, I do know him personally. And we've met over KT and Golf 8. Just kidding. Oh, a dear friend. I didn't know his dog was named Pug. Yep. Yeah, very creative. Viscount Hattons, I just know him as a rich man with a title, his greyhound Lurcher Cross was also kidnapped, dognapped, and that dog was unfortunately named Slut. With oh. two T's. Have you ever looked up, like, medieval dog names? No. <laughs> should I have? Yeah. <laughs> you should have. Like, some of them are like, you got, like, <laughs> nose-wise <laughs> and garlic. 
Jesus. Hold on, hold on. Can we even laugh at garlic? We have a cat named Beef. But it's garlic with a K. Ooh, no. <laughs> I also like Pretty Man. Oh my god. <laughs> um, yeah, if you- we got salmon. We got filth. <laughs> Why do you hate your dog? <laughs> we got have good day. That's a mouthful. And we have horny ball. <laughs> So it, it, it rings pretty true. Why do I feel like it should have been horny balls? <laughs> it rings pretty true with slut. Mm-hmm. I'm glad you agree. So yes, it's a long-standing in history crime, all the way up to um, the very famous um, Lady Gaga dog napping of 2021. I didn't know she had a dog. She had three, actually. And Ryan Fisher was her dog walker. And when he resisted the dog nappers, they actually shot him. <gasps> he survived, but... um. When they were finally caught, their charges were also attempted murder because he was shot in the chest and left for dead. Oh my god, why did they want her dog? Well, money. Yes, the ransom. So the thing with like taking dogs for ransom is you take dogs from people who A, have a disposable income, like have the money to give for ransom, and B, you know are very attached to their dogs and would be willing to pay it. Oh my god. So yes, you could go after a celebrity. They obviously got caught trying to collect the ransom, but um, that would be why they would go after Lady Gaga. Okay. It's time to get cozy. It's time to settle up under your favorite blanket with a nice bowl of soup or settle into your road trip if you have us on for driving because we might get a little uncomfortable with these stories. <laughs> I'm like kind of like a little bit not ready for to get uncomfortable because all I'm doing is thinking about puppies. Yeah. <laughs> one Dalmatians. All right, well, we're going in. Ah, okay. okay. I'm ready. So, case one takes place in London, England, September 1st, 1846. Oh, you dipping your toes into the Victorian I era. I know, the Victorian era. Oh, my goodness. Um, it's 101 Dalmatians. It's absolutely. <laughs> it's Victorian 101 Dalmatians. Oh, my God. So, Olivia Rutford, 40 years old, was being watched. She and her sister, Arabelle, 33, had been followed since they left their family home that morning. Olivia had a beloved brown spaniel named Floosh. Floosh! <laughs> My god, I fucking love dog names and cat <laughs> names. Floosh was her dearest companion and never far from her side. He, who was a beloved brown spaniel, had accompanied the sisters on their shopping trip, which was not unusual. What was unusual was when they got into their carriage to return home, Floosh did not join them. Where did Floosh go? Well, that's what they wanted to know. The sisters searched under the carriage in the busy street, only to realize that Floosh had vanished without a trace. The men who followed the duo had finally found an opportunity to grab their target. Oh my god. There was nothing Olivia wouldn't do for Floosh. She suffered from chronic illness since childhood. It affected her lungs and mobility, leaving her bedridden at times. Floosh was a gift from her friend Mary after her own dog had puppies. He turned out to be a great comfort to her when she was confined to her room and would stay loyally by her bed. Olivia's entire household, comprised mostly of her siblings and domineering father, knew of her unwavering devotion to Floosh. Olivia was inconsolable after realizing that he had been taken. She was all too familiar with the recent rise in London dog nappings, because you see, Floosh had been stolen before. Not once, but twice. He's been stolen before? Yes. This is a repeat offending. Oh my god, why do people want Floosh? Well, that leads me right into my next paragraph. Perfect. I'm so um, glad I'm hitting it with these segues. The epidemic was getting so bad in London that the Met, Metropolitan Police, 
created a task force two years earlier to address the problem. This wasn't the work of lone thieves committing crimes of opportunity. There was a well-organized criminal ring of dog nappers, referred to as the Fancy. <laughs> okay. The reason they're referred to as that is because in years before this, companion dogs had become so popular with, like, your upper class with disposable incomes. Uh-huh. And that, like, kind of wave was referred to as dog fancy. So when these dog napping rings came up, they just referred to them as the fancy. Okay. So companion dogs are called dog fancy. Like, the, it was, the, the height in, like, people getting dogs to just have, like, as a pet. Rather yeah. Rather than, like, a hunting dog was kind of becoming the thing in this time period. Right. And the, you said this was, like, the 1840s? Our crime takes place in 1846. Cool. So, um, yes, I'd say. I'm an expert in the Victorian era. I'm just getting my bearings. <laughs> so, yes. Um, so, 1844 is when they would have created the task force mm-hmm. to handle okay. this rise in dog nappings. Dog fancy would have taken place before that. Okay. Which is just the rise in popularity of companion dogs. Okay. Cool. So, they were a well-organized criminal ring. Um, They took advantage of well-off families' expendable incomes and willingness to pay ransom for the safe return of their pets. The Fancy had many headquarters throughout the city, always in working-class neighborhoods where the upper class wouldn't dare enter, or wouldn't often enter. Thieves would tempt dogs away from their owners, usually with fried meat laced with sedatives, or occasionally a female dog in heat. Which I'm oh. like, okay, you just have oh. those at the ready. Well, I mean, I guess, like, fixing one's dog wasn't really a thing back then. Oh, the yeah. Day, so. I don't think they were getting... I don't I don't think they were doing that, especially when surgery wasn't Even, like, a good a for thing. people. Good for people, yeah. <laughs> so, can't take the dog's dignity. <laughs> After they acquired a stolen dog, then a middleman or an agent was employed to negotiate and collect the ransom. This protected the identity of the thieves, but kept the agents from any real involvement in the theft. Okay, so so it kind of kept people's hands clean from each each pot you're stirring. Yep, there were no cross-contamination in this kitchen. Exactly. And that's kind of how these rings ran so well. well. Mm. So the first time Floosh was taken was in 1843, during a walk. After this, the family absolutely plastered the neighborhood with missing flyers and reported it to the police. While inquiring about town, the Retfords first learned of Mr. Taylor, a local agent to the fancy. I believe it was a local butcher who told them to go to Mr. Taylor for their troubles. <laughs> the butcher always knows. Yep. And Mr. Taylor himself was a shoemaker. Hmm. One of Olivia's brothers, Alfred, asked Mr. Taylor to inquire with the fancy about Floosh and to arrange the ransom and return. Mr. Taylor warned them that because they had made the theft so publicly known that the fancy may have already done away with Floosh. Oh my god. So, the family's already like, oh my god, we fucked this up. Is there something super special about Floosh, or... No, they... It's just something fancy about the Rutfords. Like, like, yeah, Olivia and the Rutfords are a well-off family. I'm sure they're very well-known about town. Right. But, yeah, no, Floosh himself, I mean, he's a companion dog, it's a, he was a very pretty spaniel. Mm Mm-hmm. So he may have some resale value, but no, they were mostly like, they will pay to get this dog back. Mm -hmm. They were a target. Okay. Fearing the worst for Floosh, it was actually a great relief when Mr. Taylor showed up at their door during dinner that night. He demanded five pounds as ransom and arranged to meet another of Olivia's brothers at a local pub to deliver Floosh. But Floosh did not return unharmed. When he was given back to Olivia, he had a mild leg injury. No! Don't hurt puppies, you fucking bastard. So yes, as much as like this may seem like a 
low-level crime, even when the dogs are returned to their owners, they could get hurt in the process. Right. Even, maybe not even through malice, but just through transporting a dog so much. And, yeah. like, the people who really don't particularly care about them. That's so awful. The second abduction of Floosh was a year later in 1844. He was snatched while on a walk with Olivia without his leash. This time, the family went to Mr. Taylor directly, and Floosh was returned for a six-pound ransom. Mr. Taylor told her it would be a ten-pound fee if Floosh was ever taken again. So the fee just keeps going up. Went from five to six, now it's gonna be ten. As if this is her fault. As if it's, like, something that she keeps happening. Like, it's like a fee where it's like, you keep losing your damn dog. No, this is the guy that keeps ransoming her, blackmailing her for her own dog. And it's just like, this happens again, like, guaranteed. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge, hat, tip. Yeah, we're gonna kidnap your dog again. We're gonna charge you more money. It's like, like you're just telling him? You're just telling him? It's like a repeat customer, but no one wants it No to one be. wants this. <laughs> Why? So, now, two years later, in 1846, Olivia could not believe Floosh was being targeted for a third time, and the stakes were even higher now. You see, Olivia planned to finally get out from under her controlling father's thumb, by secretly eloping to Italy with her lover. Oh my god. Pop off, girl. Didn't you say she was 40? Not saying that, that badly. I was just... <laughs> oh yeah, so she's 40 in the oh Victorian era. She, she's a spinster who's fucking has a secret Italian lover? So her lover's not Italian. Oh, okay. But, but they're popping off to Italy. They, they plan to escape her family and the restrictions of society by going to Italy. Fucking off, girl! So they were planning to do this soon. They had and Like but, everything in order. But she could not bear the idea of leaving without Floosh. Floosh's in- integral. Absolutely. So, Floosh's dog napping could completely derail the rest of her life. Oh my god. Like, if they don't get Floosh back, yeah. she's gonna miss her boat ride to Italy. Exactly. Oh my god. Was it, like, coming up in the next few days? Within, like, the next week or Jesus so. Jesus criminy. She was planning to elope with her lover, Stanley Redding, 32 years old. So he's younger than Ooh, her. Ooh, girl, get it. That's the same age difference as my parents. <laughs> Amazing. But this could all be derailed if they could not get Floosh back in time. Stanley, a poet and playwright, first encountered Olivia when she praised his work in a journal article she wrote for the local paper. They then began exchanging letters, and eventually he called upon her at her home, and their romance was born. Oh, get it, girl. <laughs> Olivia had been wanting to leave England to avoid another harsh winter, which was affecting her chronic illness, but her father wouldn't allow it. Stanley, in return, proposed they elope to Italy, even if they had to do it in secret. Ooh, so did Daddy Warbucks, whatever the fuck his name is, um, <laughs> not approve of the match? From what I understood, her father, Mr. Rufford, was very controlling of all of his children. Like, he kind of hid Olivia away because she had this chronic illness. So I think he couldn't stand the idea of her just, like, Fucking off to another country and him not being able to control her. Okay. I don't think he was even very much Is aware. Is he the one behind the dog napping? <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't like, that be a twist? Like, damn. After months of planning and budgeting, they were nearly ready to leave when Floosh was taken for the third time. Jesus like, Christ, let's remember, this is the third time this dog has been taken by seemingly the same crew. It's all the fancy. <laughs> they're just, let's get that dog again. Yeah, they're like easy money. Get that pound again. <laughs> The family once again called upon Mr. Taylor to locate Floosh and negotiate the ransom. Olivia ordered her brother Henry, who was to handle the negotiations, to, quote, get Floosh back whatever you do, unquote. 
Mr. Taylor arrived at the Rufford home the next evening, saying Fleech was being held in Whitechapel, your favorite place. My favorite place that I've never been to. (laughs) And quoting a reduced ransom fee of six pounds and six guineas. That's approximately 1300 US dollars today. Oh my god. So like, I know as a dumb American... When I hear pounds and guineas, I don't know what that means. And like, Especially in the 1800s. Yeah, yeah, and the inflation rate, like, it's six pounds sounds like, oh, six bucks? That's nothing. But, like, like, <laughs> yeah. So, Mr. Darcy made 10000 a year, and that was nothing to sneeze at. <laughs> yes. So, so, um. That was, that was actually something to sneeze at. Though. Yes, actually. <laughs> so, 1300 today in U.S. dollars, just to give us some perspective, but, like, this is substantial. Olivia's father, outraged at the cost, ordered Henry to decline the deal, and Mr. Taylor just left. Oh, okay. So now Olivia, who already doesn't like her father because he's so controlling, is now absolutely furious at him for basically damning her dog. Yeah. (laughs) So furious at her father, Olivia demanded Henry find Mr. Taylor and get negotiations moving again. When Henry failed to do this, Olivia took matters into her own hands. Fuck yeah, pop off, girl. She took a carriage with her maid to Whitechapel, to deal with Mr. Taylor herself. Nice. She was accompanied by a driver and her maid in the cross-city journey. As we know, Whitechapel was not a nice place to be in the Victorian era, even before Jack the Ripper began his rampage. Mm -hmm. So it was, they drew a lot of attention going there. Uh, Yeah, they're in a nice spiffy carriage, and they're in, like, the poor part of town. Like, yeah, this was, this was risky. This is bad. This was, this was ballsy of Olivia to do. Her maid was absolutely terrified. All for her dog. All for Floosh. Dedication. Floosh was Justice there. for Floosh. Yes. When she arrived at Mr. Taylor's shoe shop, he was out on an errand, but she delivered a stern message to his wife, stating, quote, that Mr. Taylor should keep his promise about the restoration of a dog, which he had agreed to restore. And with that, she left. That same day, Mr. Taylor arrived at the Redford home, asking six guineas for Floosh's return. So, a much... Smaller price. Mm-hmm. Olivia was having the money brought down to him when her brother Alfred lost his temper and began slinging insults at the visitor. Mr. Taylor, once again, left the house, this time promising they would never see their dog again. Oh my god, Alfred, you fucked it up! And I'm just like, I'm like, Olivia, why are all the men in your life useless? Oh my god. They're just fucking this up for you. Oh my god. Olivia, not trusting anyone else to get flush back safely, tried to rush off to Whitechapel once again. No one would let her leave, and she eventually agreed to let her brother Septimus go in her place. After much worrying and fretting and this long, tumultuous journey of seeing Mr. Taylor several times and still not getting the dog back, Septimus walked into the family home later that evening with an underweight and scared floosh. Finally, it seems, the ordeal was over. How did he get it back? He must have found Mr. Taylor, paid him on the spot, and got floosh. Septimus finally did what her father and brothers had failed to do this entire time. Thank you, Septimus. Yes. You have the most dramatic name of the bunch. (laughs) Are you the seventh son? I'll bet. Most likely. (laughs) So, Floosh came back. He was underweight. He drank three bowls of water and then finally settled in to sleep in Olivia's bed. Poor baby. Quite upset about the whole... Like, he's been gone, I think, three days. Oh, my God. And... As they planned, one week later, Olivia and Stanley married in secret at a local church. And one week after that, they fled England, leaving her family and the fancy behind to start their new life in Italy. 
They never returned. They never saw her family again. And they never had to deal with the fancy. Fantastic. No more dog nappings for Floosh. Fun fact, no one was ever prosecuted for this crime because at the time in England, it was it was illegal to demand ransom for the return of stolen property. But dogs were not yet considered property in the eyes of the law. Really? Yes. So it was a very... Your no one, cow is considered property, but your dog is not. Your dog is its own agent? Yeah, apparently, yes. It, that's, and I think that's another reason why these dog napping rings ran rampant. Jesus. Because you couldn't really prosecute them. What the fuck? That is, that is a fact I did not know. That a dog isn't considered someone's property? Well, it wasn't at the time. Well, at the time. But like, 1846 was fucking late in the game. I would have thought that that would happen way early on. My theory is that it's like an oversight in the law. Yeah, like, like like a loophole, basically, yeah. where they hadn't specifically they written didn't it write in. Down, they wrote down cows and chickens. They wrote down, yeah, cattle and farm. <laughs> but they didn't write down, your pooch counts, too. Your companion dog is property. Yeah. So, yes, that is the story of how Floosh the, Floosh. Floosh the Spaniel was dog-napped three times. Case number two. We are in Albuquerque, New Mexico, November 7th, 1969. Okay. Once again, there appears to be a dog napping epidemic in Albuquerque. Why is everyone kidnapping pooches? (laughs) The third prize show dog was dog napped in as many days. So three days, three dogs. Missing. Okay. The authorities were initially stumped to find a motive or a lead. The latest victim was Princess, a medium-sized white poodle that won best in show in the Rio Grande Kennel Club dog show two years prior. Try saying that three times fast. (laughs) Rio Grande, Rio Grande Kennel, what? (laughs) Kennel Club dog show. Kennel Club dog show. (laughs) Nope. So, Melissa Kensington, the owner of Princess, was taking her for a walk when two men attacked her. One of the men pushed her down while the other grabbed Princess and they both ran off. Melissa wasn't able to give a very distinct description of the men, being absolutely distraught by the loss of her beloved dog. But other witnesses on the street saw the men speed off in a waiting green minivan. Oh, okay. Buck Masters was the owner of Big Red, a russet Britney Spaniel, and the first dog that was dog-napped in this crime spree. Mm-hmm. Big Red had been snatched out of Masters' own backyard on November 5th. The lock on the gate was broken when he discovered the theft. He also found a ransom letter tucked under his doormat. It was written with magazine cutout letters and demanded $500 be delivered in cash to a local dog park. It included instructions to tape an envelope full of cash under a very specific park bench, seemingly to be retrieved later. All right. Retrieve. Sorry. (laughs) My brain immediately went, make a pot about golden retrievers. (laughs) So Buck refused to pay the ransom demands, instead posting a $500 reward for information saying he would rather use the money to catch the crooks. All the other dog owners would receive similar ransom notes, but waited to pay them on advice from the police. Okay. The next day, Robert Downings was returning home from the dog groomers with his Jack Russell Terrier, named Levi, when two men attacked him in his driveway. Much like with Princess, one man punched Robert, knocking him to the ground, while the other grabbed Levi and they sped away. All this was happening just two weeks before the annual Rio Grande Kennel Club dog show. Considering all the stolen dogs were scheduled to compete in the show, the police 
quickly came to the realization that the crime spree and the show are connected. Yeah. Somehow. Some way. Bob Miller's Great Dane, Champion, was predicted to win the competition that year, making him a very likely target. Unfortunately, Bob had a very strict routine and always walked Champion on the same street near the police station at the same time, making him an easy target, considering these men seem to know where these dogs are going to be and just kind of blitz attack them. But you would think that, like, walking near the police station, he would kind of... He would be safer. Like, yeah. it's a more risky thing to... Kidnap in front of... Or dognap in front of, like, a police station. Yeah. So, wanting to take advantage of his strict routine, investigators sent out a decoy to take Bob and Champion's place. An officer just so happened to have a Great Dane that they thought could pass for Champion. <laughs> this dog's name is Jake. An undercover police officer and Jake walked Bob's usual route on Ocean Boulevard for the next two nights, trying to take notice of anyone following them or any green vans or mm -hmm. any unusual activity. <laughs> on the second night, two men in a green van threw sand in the officer's eyes as they were passing him, which blinded him. They then cut Jake's leash and forced the dog into the van and sped off. But they didn't know that there was a tracking device in Jake's collar. Fuck yeah, Jake! <laughs> the police followed the signal from the decoy's collar to an abandoned ghost town in the desert. The only people that usually visited the area were teenagers looking for a thrill. It was supposed to be haunted by Native American Pueblo spirits. Or so the local legends say. So they're like, why are what, why are we here? <laughs> There's no other reason to be here. Yeah. Besides, what are you doing? So the signal from the tracker in Jake's collar stayed stationary for several hours, while police secured a warrant and prepared to search the area. Suddenly, the signal started moving erratically, as if Jake had gotten loose and was running around. Fearing that the dog was in danger, the officers moved in and found him running through the ghost town towards the train tracks. Luckily, he was picked up before any harm came to him. They also feared... Not feared, but, like, they suspected maybe the dog nappers had let Jake loose because they realized he wasn't actually champion. The Great Dane showed off. Oh, okay. Like, maybe they, they thought they'd made a mistake in their dog napping routine. Yeah. The police, after receiving the warrant and doing all their preparations, did a thorough sweep of all the abandoned buildings, many of which were infested with bats, <gasps> making it somewhat of a treacherous search. How spooky. Luckily, they didn't have to search for long. After about 20 minutes, they discovered a man along with the missing dogs inside one of the abandoned homes. The dogs were in cages, but seemed relatively unharmed. All of the doggies? All the dogs. Oh all. my god, this happy ending. Okay, good. <laughs> I told you it would be. Yay! I'm just making sure. So all of the dogs were there. They were in cages, but they seemed relatively unharmed. There were bags of dog food there as well, implying that they were prepared to hold the dogs for several days. The man that they found in the building made a run for it and did make it outside, but was quickly cornered by officers and arrested. The man, Don Mezik, 37, had no criminal history and wasn't well known to local police, but all the reports spoke of two men participating in the dog nappings, so they still had an accomplice to find. Based on all of the witness testimony, there's no way he pulled this off by himself. There's right. another man involved. Yeah. Don was interrogated, but initially maintained his innocence and silence. But once confronted with a mountain of evidence against him, including the fact that the van used in the dog nappings matched his tires. 
not 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 so much that, but it was found um, uh. hidden behind one of the other abandoned buildings. Ooh, got him! <laughs> so you were found in an abandoned building with all of the missing dogs, Seems and like your fault. And the van that we know is used to commit the dog <laughs> napping. Dog napping is there. Hmm. Methinks you're involved, sir. It's not looking well it's for not, your claim of I, innocence. I think you might be lying. And really, I don't know if he's really lying. It sounds like he just didn't speak. Oh, he well, took his right to remain silent very seriously. Lying by omission <laughs> by not saying anything. So after being confronted with all this, he caved. He finally did speak. He implemented Buck Masters, the owner of Big Red, the first missing dog, as oh being involved. Oh my god. Oh my god. That's the perfect, like, see, I can't be. Yes. I'm also a victim. Oh my god. So, Fucker. Oh, yes, according to Don. Buck Masters had approached him weeks ago about abducting show dogs. And to Don, it sounded like an easy way to get ransom money. Little did he know, Buck was also taking out the competition for the show Big Red was supposed to compete in. Wow. Buck had provided the green van, which was registered under a fake name, and staged the theft of his own dog to throw off suspicion. And to kind of keep him somewhat informed on the investigation, would kind of know how close they were if the police were giving him updates as a victim. Wow. And with him also being the owner of a show dog in this area, he ran the same social circles as the other victims and had insider information as to their habits and routines, making this kind of the perfect crime for him. Wow. In addition to collecting ransom, Buck was also taking out his competition and planned for Big Red to miraculously reappear just before the competition, and therefore win first place. Wow. And with that, they they both were caught. They both were arrested for this crime. Everyone didn't get their dogs back. Obviously, all the other owners were very ecstatic to have their dogs, not only just home safe, but before the competition. Yeah. Time um, to have the competition for realsies. Yes. And I don't really know what happened to Big Red after that. Whether, like, one of Buck's relatives took him, or if he was put up for adoption, or... I hope he went to a good home. I hope he did, too. I hope he's happy. Yes. Oh my god. Well, I mean... Puppies! I mean, this was this was the set, the 69, so... I hope he was happy then. Yeah, yeah. well, he's dead now. Yeah, well, I didn't want to say that. <laughs> it's obviously... It's... it's that would be a very, like, that would be the world record longest living dog. I want dogs to live forever, but... Yes. <laughs> yes, he'd be in the Guinness Book of World Records. But I hope he lived a happy life. Yes, I do too. And Floosh. I hope Floosh was and happy Floosh. in Italy. And Floosh. I love Floosh. Okay. Anyway, that's that's the end of both my cases. This was kind of a speedy one, but, um... Hey, it's all good. Would you like to debate on dog nappings? I, I would like to debate on dog nappings a little bit. Let me, let me, let me check the microphone. All right. Good, good job, Jack. Oh, first, first of all, definitely entertained. I, like, I'm so glad you decided to cover dog nappings because it's totally not like a, a like a, a crime genre that <laughs> I would think of, you know? Like, yes. I'm always going, like, we must go to murder. And you're like, I'm going to avoid murder at all costs. <laughs> I've done one murder. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Yes, I don't know what it is. Call it me pussyfooting around. Call it me um wanting to be different, trying to be a pick me girl. But, um, <laughs> but um, I'm like, I'm bound to determine to find crimes that don't have to involve a body. Yeah, no. Meanwhile, I'm like, give me all the bodies. <laughs> um. Anyway, back to dog napping. I oh see. I'm I'm a little bit torn. Remind me if I'm remembering a a fact correctly. Didn't you have a dog named Jake? <laughs> I plead the fifth. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> I just just wondering. I hmm. Question is, would you be able to come up with a dog named Floosh? <laughs> like that's like it's like something that's so like non sequitur that I'm like that has to be the real name, like canonic name. Can I like, say something? <laughs> No, you're not allowed to say anything during my deliberation. You just asked me a question. And you said, Pauline the Fifth. And I was like, you're right, you're right. <laughs> All names have been changed. Oh my god. Really? Mm-hmm. Okay. Cool. <laughs> so so whether you're hung up on Jake or Floosh, they're both fake names. Well, I knew that it would be a fake name in, <laughs> like for Jake. I was just making sure. I was just like, you have a... You had a dog named Jake. I yes. can see where, yes, where yes. you got Yes, yes, for the record, I, I have um, a dog named, I had a dog named Jake. I was like, I was, I was, that's just really for me. I was just like thinking that the entire time. I was like, hmm, I think she had a dog named Jake. Well, I had a dog named Baron, you know, it's fine. Dogs. Damn, so that means you made up Floosh. Where the fuck did that come from? <laughs> <laughs> that is the best name ever. I'll gladly tell you once you make your decision. <laughs> Please. I, I'm, I'm in a pickle here, you know? I... I think the second case has all the elements that would make a good, like, dog nap movie or something. Okay. Like, I don't know. It Like, it seems, like, I, and I don't mean this in a demeaning way, but almost like, like a kid's movie. Like, and they got all the dogs back for the, <laughs> for the dog show. And everyone's like, yay! Just like, just like homeward bound running yeah, in. a little bit. But because of that, it's like <laughs> making me, like, hesitant. And then the first one, I'm like, ooh. Jack could have made this set in the Victorian era just for me, you know? <laughs> like, like just to, like, make me think that, like, I'm like, I don't... The Victorian era isn't a special interest for Jack, so she's not inclined to do this unless it's to trick me. Or it's to humor me, and that's the real case. The real question is, is it the double switcheroo? Is it the double switcheroo? That is also the question. I, with a willingness to be proven wrong, am going to say that I believe that case number one was the true crime and case number two was the tall tale. All right, drum roll, please. (laughs) Well, you like actually did it too. I did. (laughs) (laughs) Hey all, before we give our big reveal, pause and go to our Instagram at true crime or tall tale podcast and comment on this episode's post. Tell us which case you think is the true crime and which one is the tall tale. Then tune back in to see if you were right. Thanks for listening. Now back to the show. You are correct. (laughs) (laughs) And you were correct for not the reasons I thought you would be correct. Oh, Oh my god, tell me about the reasons that you thought I would be correct. I thought you'd be correct because I thought you would absolutely pay case number two as a Scooby-Doo episode. Was that a Scooby-Doo episode? Yes. Oh my god. It all comes back to Scooby-Doo. And so incidentally... Oh my god, so Scooby-Doo was the great day that you did the switcheroo that you named Jake. Oh my god. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I should have known by Great Dane.
Yes, I, but I also saw that you put Britney Spaniel in there, and I was like, that's what you had. Yes. If you put a golden retriever in here any, anywhere, I would have been like, so, let's let's just run through um, case number two real quick. Our so like, tall tale. What? Okay, so you didn't, th- you thought I would think that that was the Scooby-Doo episode that it is. So, it is an episode from 1969. The- oh my god, okay, so the date was correct, because it's a, one of the original Scooby-Doo episodes. Yes, yes, it's like, it's the way back Scooby-Doo episodes. Yeah, um, the good old days. I had to oh watch gosh. it. I think it was Tubi. Tubi? I for Scooby-Dooby-Doo. So, it is season one, episode five of Scooby-Doo, Where Are You? Decoy for a dog napper. Rated TVG. Wait, was there a monster involved? So, this is where it gets a little... <laughs> what was the monster? Uncomfortable in terms of um Un- political correctness. Uncomfortable? Do you remember how I said the ghost town was haunted by um Pueblo spirits? Oh... Oh no! So that was our um. That was how they. That oh. was how they scared everyone away from their crime. Was oh, no. Was dressing up as um. Nineteen sixty nine. As Janet. what um Shaggy referred to as Geronimo. Oh my god! I remember this episode now. You do? Okay. I do. I do because I can remember Shaggy saying Geronimo. That is what did it. <laughs> so. Me saying that the ghost town where they were hiding the dogs was haunted by Pueblo Native Americans was the most I could allude to the actual monster. Yeah, you know, and that was like a fact that I just kind of signed off as not important. <laughs> so I just went, okay, why are you fucking talking about, like, a ghost town? Sure, okay. I, like, didn't even pay attention to, like, oh, it's supposedly haunted by it. I was like, weird thing to mention. <laughs> <laughs> it's a, called a hint. <laughs> Apparently I said, hmm, that was a hint? I'm gonna look at facts other way, like in a different location. <laughs> the hint on a platter that you gave me. <laughs> so, um, obviously, I completely removed the gang from the story. It was not undercover police officer and his pet Great Dane. It was Shaggy and Scooby, who <laughs> champion was who Scooby was impersonating. Scooby was Jake's. Yes, name? I. So our names Scooby, Scooby Jake. Jake. Yes, the two other dogs that went missing. I had to make up. So the oh. second dog, the Jack Russell Terrier named Levi, that actually used to be my uncle's dog. Oh my god. Um, so shout out to my uncle Bobby and Levi. Woo. And yeah, the rest of it, um, when the dog nappers took Scooby, they did not throw sand in Shaggy's eyes, like there was smoke bomb. And I thought that was a little smoke bomb outrageous. Little, yeah. Um wise to change that. The gang somehow in sixty nine had Radio satellite tracking equipment to track Scooby down. <laughs> and it was true that once the dog napper got Scooby back, Buck Masters took one look at him and said, That's not Champion, the Great Dane show dog. This is a mutt. Get rid of him. Oh and sent him down the train tracks. Jesus Christ. Don't do that to Scooby Doo. So, yeah, that's, I mean, there's not much else to say about the tall tale. It's a Scooby Doo episode. I pulled a whole lot out of 20 minutes, I, and half of those 20 minutes was Shaggy yelling Geronimo and then escaping a train. Amazing. I mean, the fact that you adapted this from, like, a kid's show that was 20 minutes long is awesome. <laughs> thank you, thank you. So, our- now, what, what did I, <laughs> what in my theory <laughs> wasn't what you expected me to gravitate on, on the, the true crime? The true crime? I mean, here's the thing. So, Floosh, I made up, but the dog's real name is Flush. And I was like, it's so ridiculous, do I believe it? No, 
What if it's what if someone recognizes it? So flush became floosh. <laughs> Amazing both ways. <laughs> the fact that you actually did come up with floosh. <laughs> and here's the thing. I just look at a lot of names and I'm like, all right, if we move around some vowels, if we maybe the end consonant becomes the beginning consonant, that's how I make shit up. <laughs> flush. Why would you name So Olivia I, mean, I guess there wasn't running toilets, so it's not even thinking about that. <laughs> I don't just, flush is just a weird word. So, Olivia was really Elizabeth Barrett Browning. Okay. The poet. Oh my god! The very famous poet who said, how do I love thee, let me count the ways. Oh my god! She's the girly that started it all. So, yes. So her early life is very true to what I said. She's very sickly. She was unmarried up until her 40s. She did have a very domineering father she was looking to escape. Mm -hmm. Her lover was not Stanley. It was Robert Browning. Mm. And she, in addition to writing that article for the newspaper, had published poems by the time Yeah, you did use a name that was... Did you use that in the second one? Where it was Robert Downing? Yeah. That also, like, you know, with that one, I, I remember, like, saying in my head with that, I was like, is this a movie starring Robert Downey Jr.? Is that <laughs> what you were trying to say? Because that's also what made me go, like, maybe this is fake. Oh, my God. Yeah, no, I think I took it from, I made Robert because of my Uncle Bobby's mm-hmm. name Robert. And I Downing's popped in my head. I'm like, it's kind of like Robert Downey Jr. <laughs> I don't care. It's going in yeah. anyway. And it kind of ties back in because it sounds extremely similar to Robert Browning. Yes. So, a little tying in the true crime into the tall tale a little bit, Dylan. Absolutely. <laughs> so, Elizabeth's story kind of became, like, and, like, she's credited with doing a lot for, like, the feminist movement. Virginia Woolf actually wrote a poem or a short story about Flush's kidnapping. Oh, my God. Almost like an allegory to Elizabeth's own oppression and as, like, an homage to her contributions to feminism. Fucking, how woke is like, this shit? I love this. And so, like... I caught the feminism in this girly. <laughs> I went, fucking, how old is she? 40? Spinster? Loves her dog more than anything, and then she finds a man who's like, run away with me, baby, to bring the dog? Feminism. I called it. Darling. Um, and so I got... I changed Elizabeth to Olivia because I actually discovered this crime, or this entire fantastical story... From an article written by Olivia Rutigliano, which was published in Truly Adventurous magazine, January 7th, 2020. Oh. And it is, definitely go check it out. You, if you search dog napping of the century, you'll find the article. It goes so much more into Elizabeth's life and the nuances of the crime and the history of dog napping in that area. In more detail that we can than we can provide. Yes, and like there is a lot of nuance to like Elizabeth's relationship with her father and her siblings and even Robert. In their letters back and forth, Robert is almost blase about Flush being taken and she's like Oh she's like the way you claim to care for me and the way that you say that you would never let anything bad happen to me, I am your flush. Flush is my flush. My like, God, I am Heathcliff, Dad. <laughs> Jesus. Okay. And she said it much nicer because she's a poet and yeah. I'm a podcaster. <laughs> yeah. Hence your Jackie. But it really was a matter of her, like, getting rid of the oppressions of society and her circumstance and, like, demanding more and, like, demanding more from her lover, demanding more from 
her life and demanding that someone get her fucking dog back, even if she has to go to Whitechapel herself. <laughs> fucking ballsy as shit. Yes. That's awesome. That is a kick-ass story. So I absolutely recommend everyone go and read that article because it just... It should be a movie. I'm I, so enamored with the story. I never knew all that. Yeah, this should be a freaking movie. At least, like, a dramatic reenactment documentary. Yes. And, hell, maybe that exists, but I could. I didn't find it. Here I do have um, a little note on the whole dogs not being property thing. This is oh. a quote. Um, oh, good. Yeah, I was worried about that. From um, That sounded so backhanded. <laughs> no, you're right. From Olivia's article, um, but... Saying it was considered a felony to demand compensation for the recovery of stolen property, but dogs were not yet legally considered property, a loophole that Mr. Taylor exploited for every pence it was worth. Also, Mr. Taylor almost became like a, not a folk hero, but like a folk villain. Everyone knew of Mr. Taylor. Oh, so it was almost like, you know, like... Like, he was almost like, like the boogeyman to dog owners. Yeah, yeah. Like, people would make, like, quippy remarks saying, like, oh, like, don't let... Your dog, get, your dog's pretty. Don't get let Mr. Taylor have his hands on him. Like yeah, something like yeah. That. The same way where, oh, God, um, this is, I'm going to bring it back to murder. Um, <laughs> our true crime podcast now. Our true crime podcast? But no, there's, um, this is a, <laughs> this is a national treasure quote. <laughs> <laughs> oh, right through the mud? Yeah, 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 I know, like, his name is Mud. Like, oh, okay. Like, it's that guy whose name was literally Mud, who I think housed the guy you shot thinking booth? well they said he was a a, 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 yeah, tr- a traitor yeah. a tr- yeah. committed treason and really he was proved innocent but by yeah. then his name had been ruined yeah his name was ruined so his name was mutt so yeah it's like that it becomes a colloquialism even though it's a person oh yeah <laughs> that's what i mean long live national treasure <laughs> that's national treasure cinematic masterpiece it's we are standing standing theme of our podcast is just the cinematic masterpiece do you think, do you think nick treasure. h would sponsor us my god i would love do you think he'd be a guest he's kind of insane but do you think <laughs> he's a weird guy I would he love, really is I, like nick cage would be the guy that goes i found this podcast <laughs> and no one listens to it except <laughs> for me he'd go to his agent and be like have you heard of this podcast this podcast Anyway. Anyway, sorry. Back to um, the the legality of dog napping. Oh, shit. (laughs) Should finish that thought. The 1945 dog stealing bill, which had been proposed to Parliament, was revised again and again as the MPs struggled to figure out how to sufficiently define the crime in order to police it. Dog was stolen. (laughs) Stolen dog. Give back dog. Dog is... Dog belonged to person. Easy. Fucking idiots. Jesus Christ. Anyway, the MPs couldn't figure it out, you, so that's why it took so long to go into law. You own cow, you own dog. I, you know, like... Jesus <laughs> Louise, man. I get it. Like, I, my dog is my family, too. But, you know, if you kidnap my mom, that should also be illegal. Don't Wait, kidnap my goddamn either, dog. Either the dog has autonomy or it's property. Yeah. Either way, you don't get to just, just take it. For whatever reason, I decided I wanted to do that Scooby-Doo episode, and that's what made the whole dog napping theme. Amazing. I love um, how you, like, actively remembered a Scooby-Doo episode about I dog really napping. did. I really just said, and when that that's happens. Gonna be, that's gonna be my whole thing. Because it was the only thing that, like, had, like, a real tangible crime that wasn't completely centered around a monster trying to, like, yeah. decrease property value. I mean, taking 
all of the Scooby-Doo things. It's a bunch of kids wanting to do their hand at ghost hunting, and they just happen to accidentally become the greatest detectives of all time. Oh, yeah. They're like, they inadvertently, they want to find a ghost, and instead, they find greedy people committing tax fraud the all they the time. They want to be BuzzFeed Unsolved. They become Sherlock. <laughs> <laughs> that laugh went from, ma- like, Heart, soul to asshole. Like it was just... <laughs> No, no, no. That's new merch. Heart, soul, and asshole. Say it with heart, soul, and asshole. <laughs> I said it with my heart, soul, and my asshole. TM, TM, TM. While looking for um, dog mapping stories, I came across this New York Post about how Scooby the Golden Retriever helped solve his own dog mapping. <laughs> oh my god! And um, essentially... Scooby is a golden retriever from Brooklyn, and he was snatched from his home. But when the investigators knocked on a suspect's door, Scooby bolted out to the police, basically essentially proving that A, he was there, and B, this was the guy who took him. Oh my god, leave it to a golden retriever to just do that kind of thing. You guys don't know this, or maybe you do. I'm very biased. Golden retrievers are my absolute favorite type of puppy. What else did he do? Um... Essentially, um... That's it. That's, like, the whole story. Yeah, he was taken from his home. He was being kept in another apartment. Plain clothes police officers came to talk to the man, and Scooby just said, You're gonna get me out of here. Hi, guys, I'm here! Oh, that's such a golden retriever thing to do. Oh, my God, I'm so proud of him. Go, Scooby! Go, Scooby, go! Basically, within three hours of being dognapped, he was back home. Amazing. Oh, my God. I'm so happy. That's the best story. I think what's really is fantastic is that there is a golden retriever named Scooby. So yeah, um, any any other thoughts? No, my only thought was that we didn't do the line. Fuck! <laughs> <laughs> anyway, our our little wine bit that we're doing. Yes, what's what's this type? This type from the advent calendar that Jack got me for Christmas that I opened on New Year's because that's our Christmas. It's a Cabernet Sauvignon Sria. No, that's a new word. It's a combination. I think I've heard of Sria wine before. I think. I'm no sommelier, but we'll find out. I don't know why I did a Laszlo Cravensworth impression right there. Sorry about that, everyone. Um, I'm gonna try it. Alright. You're not gonna like it. <laughs> It's bitter. Oh, no. Yep. Get rid of it. Yep. That's like, more for here's, me. Here's Healthy a, pour. Here's the thing. That's something I could genuinely just sip on throughout, like, a nice dinner. But oh, I would a very nice dinner wine. Cabernet Sauvignon is... But I would not have more than one glass. Like, yeah. if I went on a date and they bought a bottle for the two of us, I'd be like, you are drinking three-fourths of a bottle. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, yeah. I'm like, you won't like it, but I do. But it definitely does taste like more like a dinner table wine. This would probably, like, now I'm really sounding like a sommelier. This would taste really, really good if I was eating, like, steak and bernays right now. That's something I'm like, I would have that at a nice dinner where I got steak. Or, like, a red meat dish. This is a steak wine. Seriously. Oh, no. <laughs> it's blood. It's fine. <laughs> Halloween just- decorations. <laughs> Spilled, um, I spilt red wine on one of Jack's pillows. At least it's not the white comforter. Yeah, we really play with fire in this bed. Thank you guys for listening and sticking around. This has been Kat and Jack with True Crime or Tall Tale. True Crime or Tall Tale News. <laughs> <laughs> we hope you tune in next time. Bye! Bye!